The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast with me. Hey, that was a beautiful thing. 
Could a mere vision or an immaterial spirit kindle a charcoal fire? Could a mere vision or a spirit cook a meal and share it out? Could a hallucination or a vision sit and eat with the disciples? See, the first and simplest aim of this event is to make it quite clear that this really is the same Jesus. If Jesus physically rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't physically rise from the dead, if he's not the same person, then why worry about any of what he said? He's in color and he took the reason for God. The issue on which everything hangs is whether or not you like, not on whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he physically rose from the dead. The same physical body confirms Jesus' identity. He was who he claimed to be. And his power over death was a demonstration of the power he claimed to possess prior to his crucifixion. So it's about affirming his physical resurrection. But you know, when I got to that point in writing this, I came on. With this said, is there something different about Jesus' resurrected body? Is there something different about it? And I find, found that many Christians have various answers to this question. Some say that Jesus' resurrected body was purely spiritual or trans-physical, purely immaterial. You find that more down the liberal or others would say or emphasize in the resurrection that every identical individual particle which composes Jesus' body at death must be the same at the resurrection for it to be a true resurrection, which is really the view from our early church fathers. And then I had a read through the kind of different views Generally, what evangelical Christians would say is it does seem to be something different. There seems to be some miraculous things that Jesus did, for example, like appearing at different locations and then disappearing immediately, traveling vast distances, all beyond the normal. I would also argue that sometimes the disciples seem to not recognize Jesus. Well, I think there's kind of a natural explanation for those examples. But there does seem to be something miraculous that we didn't see or the nature of his miracle that we didn't see prior to his crucifixion. An example of this uh, is of his just appearing out of nowhere in John chapter 20, 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, 
Jesus kind of stood among them. The disciples had locked themselves into this room because they were afraid that the angry mob who called for Jesus' crucifixion might come after them. And John tells us suddenly Jesus appeared among them. Now, is it that Jesus, like we hear about reading in books, walks through the walls? Or did he simply disappear? Well, we don't actually know. John doesn't give us any indication of how Jesus accomplished this. He simply reports that Jesus turned up. Although the reference to the door being locked hints at something miraculous. Now, if Jesus did have this power, I don't know any other way to put it other than teleportation. If he did have that kind of power, that suggests Jesus' body didn't have the same limitations that his body possessed before his resurrection. And this is why I think so many theologians, when they speak about Jesus' resurrected body, they call him the glorified body. And they say that the resurrected body of Jesus is spiritual in the sense that it fits into the heavenly realm that's built for the kingdom of God in a spiritual sense, while still having a solid, physical form that fits into the space-time. He could be seen, he could be heard, he could be touched. But it's the, even so, it's the physical aspect that John is emphasizing in his gospel, and particularly in this passage. John does not want to give us a watertight theology of the nature of Jesus' resurrected body. That's not his point. His goal is to reassure the disciples who are out fishing and to reassure his readers that Jesus is the physical flesh and bones Jesus that the disciples knew before his resurrection. The same Jesus who performed many miracles in their midst prior to his crucifixion is the same Jesus who performs miracles in their midst post-resurrection. Yet, he carries the marks of the crucifixion The second purpose of this passage is a passport. Can you imagine being those disciples? Not all of Pondering on your recently poor performance during Christ's crucifixion and the lack of faith afterwards. Those things would have stood as roadblocks hindering them from understanding or embracing God's will for their lives. Don't tell Jesus. They had disowned them. They had been confronted by their own flaws, their own limitations, their own weaknesses. And so they felt it reasonable to return to the fishing business. Since their stint as disciples was apparently over. In ancient times, night time, and even today, was the best time to go fishing or the preferred time to fish. Caught at night could be sold fresh to the markets in the 
morning. By daybreak, though, John tells us the disciples had caught nothing. And Jesus stood at the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was him, probably because the sun was coming up, may have been quite a distance. He calls to them, Men, do you have any fish? It's probably a common question from someone on the shore. Do you have anything to sell? The disciple whom Jesus loved, because of John, John is a bit reserved about everything connected to himself, seems, so he doesn't actually mention his name, although he says that Jesus loved him. He recognizes Jesus first. And Peter, typically, impulsive as usual, either puts something on or tucks in his garment, the Greek can go either way. He jumps overboard and swims to the shore. Well, the other, when the other disciples arrive in the boat, they find Jesus sitting beside a charcoal fire with fish and bread. I've been doing this with him for the last three years, and he says, come on over, have breakfast. I thought about this, I thought, why is Jesus hanging out with these guys? Why has he gone back to these guys? Why not just move on, Jesus? Couldn't he have gone to the temple, stood up, addressed the crowds? Couldn't he have gone to Calvary, stood up and said, Ah, I'm here, I'm alive. Couldn't he have done those things so that more people would believe in him? Why go back to that group that had disowned him? Why go back to that group that failed him? He chose to spend time with his friends. He chose to continue preparing them for their mission after his departure. He chose to give them one last strong experience of his presence. Letting them know that despite their failures, he still loves them and he still invites them to be part I think it was the 16th century reformer, Martin Luther, who popularized the phrase, God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. I think it's a clever phrase that communicates the notion that God works through imperfect people to accomplish his purpose. Although God calls us to have our thoughts transformed and our words and actions transformed, like Romans chapter 12, Although God calls us to strive for spiritual and moral purity, as in First Peter chapter one, the reality is He doesn't wait for us to be perfect before He loves us and uses us. He doesn't wait. Abraham was called into a special relationship with God, but lied twice. Jeopardize the safety of his wife. Yet God worked through Abraham to produce the nation of Israel, who in turn gave us the scriptures and Jesus the Messiah. King David had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband to get him out of the way. He followed Satan's temptation and sinned greatly by taking an unauthorized census in Israel. Yet God used David to lead the nation of Israel to write 73 Psalms 
and receive the honor of being called a man after God's own heart. That is incredible. That is incredible. Jacob lied and stole his brother's birthright. Noah got drunk, among other things. Rahab was a working girl. The list goes on. And yet God used these individuals. I want to read you a bit of a story, a bit of a tale. There's a story of a water bearer in India who had two large pots. Each hung on each end of a pole which he carried across the pool. One of the pots had a crack in the side. And while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream back to the master's house, the pot with a crack in the side only ever arrived half full. For two years, this went on daily, with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots of water to his master's house. The perfect pot was proud of its achievement, perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor pot with a crack in its side was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that was only able to accomplish half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream, I am ashamed of myself. I want to apologize to you. Why, asked the bearer, what are you ashamed of? I have been able for these past two years, I've been only able to deliver half of my water volume because of this crack in my side, causing the water to leak out all the way back to the master's house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all this work and you don't get full value for your The water bearer felt sorry for the old pack. And in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, as they went up the hill, the old pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wild flowers on the side of the path. And this cheered its son, but at the end of the trial, it still felt bad because it had leaked out half of its body. And so again, it apologized to the bearer for its fault. The bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the pot, but not on the pot's other side? That's because I've always known about your flower and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the pot. And every day while we walked back from the stream, we watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful wild flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would not have this people to judge the past. Like the early followers of Jesus, we often and unfortunately demonstrate our limitations or lack of devotion and fall short of God's glory for us. We feel often that the closeness with Jesus Lost, and that we could be not be much more useful to him. The disciples experience today's passion teaches us that 
that following Jesus is not so much about what we do to do, our ability, our strength, our limitations, our talents, our weakness, or even the degree of devotion or commitment. It's not about that finding. It's primarily about Jesus Christ. As Jesus begins this process of restoring his disciples, especially Peter, which is the next week, he has a simple breakfast for them. When we consider our own situation and our own shortcomings, we are reminded of God's grace to bless us and that he continues to use crooked sticks to draw those. What's important is not what we will become in the hands of the master. So, what is important is what we become in the hands of the master, not necessarily what we become. Let me just say this. In our passage this morning, the writer of the gospel clearly says that the resurrected Jesus. Not just a vision, not just an hallucination, but he had a theological purpose. It was the same Jesus before his crucifixion and after his resurrection. And the second thing is that Jesus sits with his friends and shares a simple meal, showing them that he is a God who is compassionate and a God who is For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us our offenses and grant that we may serve you in the newness of life and in your grace. For the glory of your name. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.